Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Brought to you by John Crumpton. For more podcasts, news and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. Fantastic. We're in Deuteronomy chapter 1. We looked at this a little bit last week as we were seeing the words of Moses as he was retelling the story of what had happened in the early days of their great excursion. He was describing the wonderful adventures that had been going on. And, you know, as we know, Old people, they like to repeat the stories and tell it over and over again. And Moses was about 120 at this stage. He had a lot of stories, a lot of things to tell, but not a problem. You know what? There wasn't a lot else they could do, you know, just sit around the fire and, you know, toast some manna and, you know, just tell stories. Uh, And so he's telling them in this portion here in Deuteronomy chapter 1 about what happened 40 years earlier. So he's recounting their first attempt to go into the promised land. And why is he doing this? I'm glad you asked. He's doing this because they are about to have another opportunity to go into the promised land. And he's wanting them to learn from the past mistakes of God's people. So that they would not have to fail the test. Okay, remember we were talking about tests? About three weeks ago, we were talking about how God enables us to go through the tests of life, but He does it in such a way that we are given the unfair advantage to always pass. And so when we examine our lives, he's already said, you've passed. So we give ourselves a pass mark even before we start evaluating what's going on, right? And we also take note of the fact that the last two years have been a big test. It's been a test for the church worldwide. It's been a test for us individually, but how has the church responded to a different set of circumstances. And it's really good for us to take the opportunity to just do a bit of self-evaluation, you know, not just always looking out there, but sometimes it's good for us to look inside, how did we do? And we, so we've given ourselves a pass because we're in Christ and He always gets the victory. So therefore we get the victory, we give ourselves a pass. Okay, happy with that? But he's also causing us through the tests of life to go from one level of glory to another. James said, these tests are so that we might not be lacking in anything. We will be complete to the full measure of Christ. So the tests have got purpose. So it's good to know what the test is about, especially if you're going to take the test. Yes? All right. And we know that God gives us an open book test. You've got the book, the Bible. And we know what the answers are because Jesus is the answer. 
And because the word describes and reveals the living word, who is Jesus, the answers that we need for the tests of life are in the book. And you just have to open the book and it's an open book test. And it's beautiful because God gives to us the answers that we need even before we take the test. Come on, we all had teachers like that at school. They said, now listen, remember my, my maths teacher I was telling you about? He said, watch out, some tricks, chaps, some tricks, eh? And you'd get all very excited about telling us to watch out for this and this because actually this is what they're asking and then this is the answer. Because I want you boys to do well. Yeah? He had no excitement to fail the class. Come on. How many teachers take pride in how many students they can fail? No, 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 no. A good teacher wants their students to pass. Remember the rich young ruler? Good teacher, what must I do to inherit? Jesus is a good teacher. And a good teacher wants us, his students, to pass. Yay! That's why we have such confidence as we come to the Word because we know that the Word is going to be speaking to us and will be for our benefit that we might go from glory to glory. It's win, win, win. Yay! All right. So, Moses, he wants his followers to pass because there was a previous generation that failed the test. Oops. Yeah. So they said, no worries, you get another 40 years revision. Okay. So now he's, he's recounting what happened the first time around so they can learn from their mistakes. Are you okay? Fantastic. Are you in Deuteronomy chapter 1? Okay. Now, are you in verse 21? Verse 21. See, Moses says, the Lord your God has given you the land. Go up and take possession of it as the Lord, the God of your forefathers, told you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. That's where we were last week, remember? Thank you. Johan, I'm going to ask you to come sit in the front row. You can talk to me because the rest, I don't know where they are this morning. Okay. Thank you. So, he says to them, hey guys, God has given you the land, take possession of it. But in verse 20 it says, God will give you the land. So what is it? Is it that he will give it or he has given it to you? It's both. That's right. That's right. Why? That's a good question. Do you remember, God is not stuck in this dimension of time the way we are. You know, we have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. What's happening on Friday? You have to wait until Friday 
to figure it out. You are in this dimension of time. But God, He is transcendent. He is above this dimension of time. So He can look at it because He created time. He's not subject to it. He intersects with it, but He's not confined by this chronological time. So because He's outside of time and He looks at this dimension of time, He can see there's the beginning, there's the middle, there's the end, and everything else in between, right? And so what he does is he reaches into a time in the future, and he takes a slice of that, and then he comes to where we are, and he inserts information about what's going to happen in the future. It's called prophecy, right? How does God know? Well, he can see where it's all going. And so he, he comes back from the future so that we can then go back to the future. He knows, hey, I'm giving you this land, and if we look in the future, you've already got it. So I'm giving it to you, it's you you've already got it. I've promised it to you. How, how, does, how come every one of God's promises are true? The yes and amen in Christ? I mean, he knows what's going to happen, so he just takes from the future and he says, he reveals it, says, here you go, this is what's going to happen. I so, say, you know, it's true. He never makes a mistake. It's pretty good like that, yes? Hmm. Okay, so he reaches into their future and he says, not only am I giving you the land, but it's yours. Yeah, and then he says, now what you must do in order to get back to the future is you must get up off your blessed assurance and now go and take it. I've given it to you, but actually you've got to go and fight it's kind of like, so what is this? It's both. Some people sit with unfulfilled prophetic words because God has spoken to them, and they're just kind of like, oh, well, let it be. No, that's a song. That's not the way you're meant to live your Christian life. Okay? We're actually meant to go up and take because God has said, He's spoken, He's ordained. Otherwise, that word that is spoken, mm, 40 years later, another generation will rise up and take the unfulfilled prophetic words and then say, all right, well, we will take it. This makes sense, right? So the Lord speaks words and he gives us what he wants to to do and could be in us and through us, and if we don't step into it, it waits around until somebody else rises up and says, all right, I'll do it. But let us not be that generation. Yeah? So God has spoken amazing things over our nation. We haven't seen it yet. There are a lot of things that are coming against the prophetic words that God has given over us as a company of people, 
given over our city, Joyburg. He's given over our nation, South Africa. Come on, prophetic words, revival will start at the tip of Africa. And then will spread through the country and right up north, the whole continent. Anybody heard a prophetic word like that? Yeah, yeah? I was probably about so high when I first heard those words. Those words are still hanging, waiting for a generation to rise up and say, it'll be us. We'll go for it. You with me? Yeah? God's words for us, for South Africa, are still that we are going to be a sheep nation, not a goat nation. So God's purposes, intentions for us in South Africa are still good. Those words are waiting for us to lay hold of them and bring them into the now. Bring it into this generation. Now when we look at what's going on in the natural, and this is going to tie into the next thing that Moses said to them. Okay, He said, uh, in verse 21, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Why would Moses need to tell them, don't be afraid and don't be discouraged? And the answer is, because they would face things that would cause them to be afraid and cause them to, to be discouraged. Hmm? Okay. So part of my background, I studied economics, and I have a bit of an interest in this kind of stuff. And so when I see what's going on in, 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 the, in the country, and I look at you know, all the difficulties that we're facing, I can tell you every good reason in the natural why we are done for. I can discourage you in a heartbeat because there are a lot of facts and figures that can cause you to become discouraged. True. Okay. If we focus on what's happening in that realm, we will become discouraged. But God has not called me to discourage you. He's called me to encourage you. That courage might come to you. Why? Because you're going to face discouraging circumstances. So true faith does not deny the existence of the problem. True faith says we will overcome. Yeah? And we have got amazing opportunities to overcome. There are giants. Yay! The bigger they are, the harder they fall. Yes. Yes. All right. So, Moses says, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. God has got the final say in what's going on. Okay. So that's where we were last week. How about this in verse 22? Then all of you came to me and you said, Let us send men ahead to spy out the land for us and to bring back a report about the route we are to take and the towns we will come to. In other words, we want a news broadcast of what the future holds. 
We want some reporters from the front line. Hello, this is John from Didi Didi News, and here I am reporting from the battlefield, and I just want to tell you that everything is going badly. That's what news is going to tell you. Okay? So they said, hey, send the guys in and let them bring us a report and tell us what's really going on on the ground. Okay. The idea seemed good to me. Verse 23, so I selected 12 of you, one man from each tribe. They left and they went into the hill country and they came to the valley of Eshkol and they explored it. Taking with them some of the fruit of the land, they brought it down to us and reported, it is a good land that the Lord our God is giving us. One of the few truth statements that they were able to bring. It's a good land that God is giving us. All right? We know from another part of the story, and we'll get to that maybe next week or the week after, depending on how much you interrupt me. Just a joke. There were some came with a good report, some came with a bad report. So we're getting here the portion of the good report. Hey, it's a good land, a good, good land that the Lord our God is giving us. Now let's switch across to Numbers. Numbers chapter 13 and verse 23, because now we're getting a, uh, another channel giving us a report on, on what happened. You know, like you switch channels? To see this news is giving you the same as that news? You compare? Oh, I asked you not to watch the news. That's right. So, in verse 23 of Numbers chapter 13. When they reached the valley of Eshkol. What was this valley of Eshkol? The valley of Eshkol. Eshkol actually means cluster. That's the name. Cluster. So they came to the valley of cluster. Okay, this is going to be interesting because something profound happened that caused them to rename the whole valley. It was so significant. Okay? So they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them along with some pomegranates and some figs. Okay, stop. They go to this valley, which they're going to rename Cluster, because they went and they found the grapes there were so huge that when they cut off a cluster, they needed two men to have a pole between them on their shoulders so that they could carry one cluster of grapes. Have you ever seen that? Have you ever been to the shop and say, hey, I'll have a cluster of grapes, and then you load, you bring the bucky, so you can just put one cluster, one cluster of grapes on the back of the bucky. This is phenomenal. It's no wonder they came with a good report, because there were signs, there was a foretaste that they could give to the people We've seen the future, and the future is good. They actually brought a foretaste of God's plan and purpose that he had prophesied to them. They actually brought some of it into the now. 
Come on, as New Testament believers, we're trusting that the kingdom of God is going to break into this world. That the future, the complete and absolute rule and reign of Christ, heaven on earth, we're trusting that that kingdom is going to break into this world in increasing measure. Yes? Yeah, you know this because you pray it. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Oh, heaven to earth. That's the prayer. It's the prayer Jesus encourages us to pray. Hmm? Jesus doesn't lie. He doesn't make mistakes. And he doesn't ask us to do something that is nonsense. He's asking us to pray because there is a truth that he's wanting to see manifest on the earth. Heaven on earth. Yeah. Now we know that we have the, the now and the not yet of the kingdom. There's certain aspects of the kingdom that have already come, certainly broken into this world. Right? But there are aspects as we look around, there's a lot of chaos about. So we do not yet see everything under his feet. But we see Jesus. Right? This is Hebrews 2. So we're praying and we're believing that this is going to happen more and more. We don't yet see it, but it's going to happen. And the Lord is going to so change and transform the earth that we're going to see the kingdom expanding and expanding and expanding. Do you remember there was a chap called Neb? Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah? And Neb, he had a dream. Um, not as in a desire dream, or he had a few of those crazy things too, but he had a dream and he needed Daniel to interpret the dream for him. And the, dr the dream was of this massive big statue, and there were different parts of the body were made of different things. And Daniel interprets the dream through the revelation that God gives to him. And he says, you, O king, are the head of gold. And after your kingdom, there'll be another, the torso will be of silver. And then we're going to get the legs of bronze and then the feet, a mixture of clay and bronze. And then there is a rock, not cut out by human hands, comes from heaven. Comes from heaven. Then there'll be another rock, and this rock will come and will smash into these kingdoms. They will be destroyed, and then this rock comes from heaven, will grow and expand and until it fills the whole earth. And then he says, this is the kingdom of God. Daniel tells us this. We're not trying to figure it out. God has told us. Open book test. We've got the answer. Okay? So... What is going to fill the whole earth? 
on earth as it is in? The prayer gets answered. How do we know this? God reached into the future, tells us in this time period, hey, this is what's going to happen. God is so confident that he even wrote a book about the end. It's a bestseller, you know. Amazing. So God is, this kingdom is crashing in, if you like, invading, overtaking, overwhelming, getting stronger and stronger. Don't believe fake news. Yeah? Yeah, I better leave that news broadcasting corporation alone. Because they're doing a bit of self-destruct at the moment. Kingdom coming, kingdom growing. Fake news will tell you the devil's winning. People who don't have eyes to see in the realm of the spirit will tell you a different report. But whose report are we going to believe? What God is saying, and he knows already what the outcome is going to be, or do we just only believe what these guys here are telling us? And they don't even believe in God. So why would they tell us the truth? They don't even know what the truth is. The most trusted voice in news has now been discovered as the most dishonest voice in news. Hmm. So, as the kingdom comes, we begin to get a foretaste of what the final outcome is going to be. Much like they came with a foretaste of the grapes. And they said, hey, that prophetic word of the promised land that we must go and take, we're bringing you a foretaste of the fulfillment of that prophetic word. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Yay. And the Lord has given to each one of us foretastes, touches of glory, at times in our lives, where God has come through in a powerful way, He's shown Himself to be faithful and true and strong. Yes? Each one of us, we've had tastes of His goodness. But we haven't yet seen the full outworking of it. Okay. Cool. So that's where these guys were in that kind of situation. So they carry this grape on a pole between the two of them. And that place was called the Valley of Eshkol, or Cluster, because of the cluster of grapes that the Israelites cut off there. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. 40 days, very crucial for the story. A little bit later on, Moses is saying, hey, guys, take note. They went in and they walked around for 40 days. Why is this going to be significant? Well, because fast forward... They were going to spend one year for every day that the spies had wandered around the land 
they were going to spend, therefore, 40 years wandering around the wilderness because they would not go in. So that's why this is inserted here. Verse 26, they came back to Moses and to Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which he sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. It's amazing, yeah? They've got a taste, a foretaste of the proof that the prophetic word was real. They haven't got the full thing. They've just got a taste. It's amazing how many believers, they get a foretaste of something. And then unfortunately, for some people, they respond the same way the people of God did back here in in the wilderness. Verse 28. But the people. Can you say, but Yeah, but. You know what? It's like there's always a but. They've tasted, they've seen, they've heard the stories, but. Oh my goodness, what's going on? But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev and the Hittites, the Jebusites and the Amorites live in the hill country and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Oh my goodness. So now the guys, although they've brought back some of the fruit, they're now giving emphasis to all the challenges. And now the challenges are beginning to over, uh, overshadow the good report. And the focus now switches from the positive to be on the negative. Hmm? We don't know anything about that, do we? Of course we do. All right? So, verse 30. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. So Caleb says, whoa, stop the bad news. Silence the bad news. God has said we can do it. Surely, let's go and do it. And we need to take a leaf out of Caleb's book and silence the bad news. Because if we don't silence the bad news, we're about to step into the same error Because remember, there's a test. We're about to make the same mistake, which is not going to give us a pass to be able to get to the next level. You're tracking with me. So sometimes the best thing we can do is to silence bad news. Were there giants in the land? Yes. Were there fortified cities? Yes. Was it going to be a fight? Yes. Should that have stopped them? No. Right? Right. And with us, we hear stories, accounts, testimonies, news broadcasts, 
of bad news about our nation? Should that stop us from believing God for revival? And the answer is no. It should not stop us. Okay. My job is to encourage you. If God has said that there will be revival, if God has said we will be a sheep nation, if God has said all things will work out, guess what? Let's listen to what God says and let's silence, silence the but. Come on. And the people who should be silencing the but are the people of faith. Because all those who are there to amplify the negative, man, there's, there's plenty of them. You don't have to do that job. Let us choose to silence. I'm not listening. La, 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 la. I'm not listening. I'm not listening. I'm not listening. Come on, you know the game that kids play. Yeah, you can call me whatever name. No, 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 I'm not listening. Let the negative stuff be silenced. Don't listen to it. Don't give it your attention. Otherwise, we got another. That was year one. <sighs> that was year two. What's for breakfast? It's manna again. Oh, I'm losing count. How many years is it now? Uh, could we have manna waffles instead? Um, anything new happening these days? Oh, Moses is looking a little older. Oh. I wonder if he's going to make it. Did you hear the rumor? No, I don't listen to rumors. Oh, hey, they came up with a new recipe the other day for manna. Oh, it's manna souffle now. We don't want to go around in circles. Come on. It's time for the people of God to arise. Silence the negativity. Yeah? So Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. Is there any hope for South Africa? Exactly. Absolutely. If you look in the natural, hmm, giants, armies, fortified cities, sinkholes, all sorts of crazy things. In the natural, oh, this is impossible. But what has God said? So if we're tuning into what God says, that gives us the authority and the power and the grace to silence the negativity even when it's in the tent next door. Mm -hmm. Or the cubicle next door. Okay. 
Verse 31. You see, this is where the problem was. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread amongst the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. Goodness, talk about a flip-flop, eh? They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. What? Are there people there? Yes, but the land devours them. Well, how come they're still there? Doesn't make any logical sense. Come on, so much of the negativity that has been engulfing the world over the last two years doesn't make sense. It's just we want you to be afraid and be more afraid. In fact, we want you to be more afraid today than you were yesterday. Even if it doesn't make sense. Come on. The things that they're asking people to do that don't work, but just do it again because we want you. Uh, if it didn't work, why do you still want us to take it? You understand? It's like, this, is, this doesn't make any sense. So the, the fear thing, it doesn't have to make sense. The objective is just to make you afraid. Hmm, okay. All the people we saw there are of great size. All the people? Is this just a little bit of an exaggeration now? All the people are of great size. I thought it was just the Anak. Yeah? We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. The Nephilim comes from an intersection with demonic entities. Oh, so now we're getting demonic stuff that's being stirred up here. And here's the clincher. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Uh, here I am reporting from the front lines once again. Uh, I've just been interviewing this giant over here. And um, excuse me, sir. Uh, he's very tall. He's 13 feet. Um, tell me, sir, these spies, how big do you think they are? Oh, they be grasshoppers. Did they interview the giants? How did they know what the giants thought of the spies? Listen, they didn't even see the spies. They went in undercover. If the spies had been caught in that land, the spies would have been killed. There was no interview. That's fake news. The giants didn't say, yeah, yeah, you guys are just like grasshoppers. No, they made it up. They projected something that wasn't a reality based on their own fear. Where did it come from? Ah, we were like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Oh my goodness. They lost their identity. Are you a child of God? Are you victorious in Christ? Then you are not a grasshopper. You see, they lost their identity. 
And they took on a, an incorrect perception and an identity. Oh, I'm a grasshopper. Yep, that's me. Me? I'm a grasshopper. Oh, you're a funny looking grasshopper. No, 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 I self-identify <laughs> as a grasshopper. So therefore I must be a grasshopper. Grasshoppers in our own eyes, that was the thing that caused them to fail. They believed the fear, and the fear changed their perception and caused them to do something very destructive. So back to Deuteronomy. Oh, Moses is telling a long story, eh, guys? He's an old man and he just like repeats. So we got it in Numbers and now we got it in Deuteronomy. Old people, they repeat the stories. Okay, verse 26 of Deuteronomy chapter 1. But you were unwilling to go up. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. God had given them a command. You know, sometimes the prophetic words that God brings are actually commands. He wants our obedience. I lift my hands up, lay my whole life down. It's yours. Whose? Yeah, yeah, but I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Oh, whose life is it now? See, we're learning from how these guys handled their lives so that we don't have to make the same mistakes. This is so that we don't have to do the circular route for 40 years. Verse 27. You grumbled in your tents and said, the Lord hates us. Oh my word. The Lord hates us? So he brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. What? How do you get to the point of toxic reality God hates me. Yeah? Come on, I'll show you how you get there. You're driving down the road, and a car yanks in front of you, and you smash in. You try to stand on the anchors, but it's been raining, and you just slid into them. It wasn't your fault, but your car's written off. And the problem is that things are not going so well because of lockdown, whatever, and you canceled your insurance. And now your car is written off, and you don't have the money to fix it. It's like, God, how could you let this happen to me? God, if you, were, if you loved me, God, how could you let this happen? And then, you know, you, you catch a bit of a snivel or whatever it is, and they demand that you stick something up your nose, and that costs you some money, and you do this and that, and you're spending money, at the doctor that you didn't have and now you've got too much month and not enough money. God, I've got to pay these school fees and you, you made me have these kids. God, why are you punishing me like this? And then there's load shedding just when you're supposed to be doing your children's homework and you don't understand why you are doing homework when it should be their homework, 
God, if you really loved me, you'd deliver me from this. And I was like, God, why do you hate me? It's not fair. It's not fair. God, look at all this stuff. And you weep and you moan and you groan and you become discontent and it can turn around. God, if you were God, and then it becomes the pointing finger. And very quickly, you're in the same place as these people. That's how you get there. So we don't throw stones at these guys because we recognize ourselves in them. We recognize our own behavior over the last couple of years. We kind of go, woof. We listen to that voice of a bad report. Verse 28. I mean, this is ridiculous that God would deliver them out of Egypt so he would kill them. Like, where's the logic in that? It's irrational. Yep, that's what fear does. Causes you to come to irrational conclusions. Verse 28 gets worse. Where can we go? Our brothers have made our hearts melt in fear. What? It's no longer the giants that have made our hearts melt in fear. It's now our brothers making our hearts melt in fear. Isn't that ridiculous? The ones who should be on the side that we are on, like our side, strengthening us and say, come on, we can do this. We should be encouraging one another. Now it's our, our very brothers who are actually rebroadcasting, retweeting all the bad news and causing our hearts to melt with fear. Come on, are we reading into what went on there to apply into our lives? Because the Lord wants us to pass the test, yes? Okay. Let's see if we can bring this to a close. They say the people are stronger and taller than we are. The cities are large. The walls are up to the sky. The walls are up to the sky? Really? Yeah, yeah. And there's another wave coming, and that's going to be even worse than the one before. And we exaggerate, and we... You got me? We even saw the Anakites there. Moses, then I said to you, do not be terrified. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God, who is going before you, he will fight for you, as he has already done. You've got the testimony. Come on, remember, you stood in the front of the church, over the microphone, giving the testimony how God had delivered you before in Egypt. Come on, he did it for you before, before your very eyes, and also in the wilderness. There you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son, all the way you went until you reached this place. Your father is carrying you. He's looked after you up to this point. So don't be afraid, don't be discouraged, don't be dismayed. Are there giants in the land? Yes, there are. Are there fortified cities? Yes, there are. Are there armies that you're going to have to battle? Yes, there are. Should we still go? Yes, we should still go. Come on, breakthrough. 
Should I still get up in the morning and trust the Lord that I'm in the right place at the right time? Yes, you should. You certainly do not want to go off to... We don't even use their name anymore. (laughs) We are where God wants us to be. Right? Unless you had a very clear prophetic word, it's time for you to go and evangelize another nation. But if you didn't get a strong prophetic word to go and evangelize another nation, then God has caused you to be in this city such a time as this. That you might be salt and light and be one of those who praying the kingdom come. Heaven on earth. And you're living it in such a way in the midst of giants and fortified cities and armies, but you're living it in such a way that other people can see, hey, I can take courage from you. I can be encouraged that you are standing firm even though they're giants. Wow. Yay. So instead of Our brothers made our hearts melt with fear. We're broadcasting a completely different message. Stand firm, God will deliver. He's carried us all this time. Why would he suddenly stop now? He's the one who's all-powerful, almighty, got all the resources, he's not run out. In fact... He's only just got started. Yay. So, what's the point of the message? Many. But silencing the voice that wants to release fear into your heart and mind and cause you to see yourself incorrectly or to see the future incorrectly, that must be silenced. So that we might be able to hear, hey, the Lord's promises are yes and amen. And they're still there. And we will be the generation to reach out, grab a hold of it, and bring it into being in our lifetime. Can you say amen to that? All right, let's stand. Thank you guys, you're amazing. Yay, yay, yay. So. What would you like to ask the Lord to do? We don't just want to be hearers of the word. We want to be doers. What would you like to do? No, no, talk to him. Okay, close your eyes. Talk to him. Thank you, Lord, that you are the great exterminator of grasshopper thinking. Yeah, thank you, Lord. You're doing a wonderful work in our hearts and our minds. You're causing hope and faith and courage and boldness to rise up within us. And so we stomp on the grasshoppers. Come on, give it a stomp. Yeah, I'm not going to think like a grasshopper. No, I'm a victorious one. The giants are coming down. God is surely with us. He will carry us. 
He will provide for us. He will enable us. And the fruit that we've tasted, it's just a foretaste. We get to inherit the whole lot of it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. The church arises in strength. We, your people, arise in hope, faith, and boldness. This nation will see the glory of the Lord poured out from coast to coast, edge to edge. All people, every city, thank you, Lord. Revival is coming to this nation. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So we thank you, Lord, that as we go from this place, a fresh impartation of boldness by the power of the Holy Spirit is released to each one. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Hope arise. We thank you for your provision. Thank you. You make a way where there seems to be no way. You're the God who gives us our daily bread. And the bread that we have, you can multiply over and over again. Yay. Thank you, Lord. Your goodness and kindness is being released to us. So let peace fill our hearts and minds. Let joy bubble up from deep within. Your provision and your protection be our portion in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. Yay.